folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 211 of Channel Massive. In this episode, you're going to get co-founders of Channel Massive and nothing more. I'm Noah. And I am Mark, and this is our dynamic duo episode. Yes. We will attempt to be dynamic. We've got the duo covered because there's just two of us. <laughs> dynamic may be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> we, will be <laughs> we will avoid being the d- disinterested duo, the despondent duo. <laughs> But diatribes may be allowed. Yes, the dutiful duo. We will <laughs> strive for something exciting. And there, yes, there could, we could be the. How do you say dio, diatrabic? I don't know if there's a word for that in this. <laughs> Diatrabalicious. Diatrabalicious. Yes, I like it. Listeners, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a couple tweaks to the way that we normally record the shows. In this episode, it's definitely going to be shorter than last week's episode, since last week's was the longest episode we've ever made, I believe. I think we set a world record. Guinness yeah. is still checking. Yes. So for this episode, we're going to be a little bit quicker and more focused, and we're only going to have a few sections in it. So right now, you're listening to our intro, and we're going to just have a plain old intro. Then we're going to get into what we've been playing, and then we have a bunch of roundtable discussions based around news and when I say roundtables, that doesn't mean like a bunch of 30-minute discussions. We expect that it'll be as concise as we can keep it to. I know that both of us are, we tend to the tangents, but yeah, we'll see what happens. And the thing is, is while we go through all these sections, there's not going to be any breaks. So yep. buckle up. It's an Iron Man episode, and there's no listener feedback. And that's why we're changing the forum up, because we think what happens is you either die of old age or lapse into unconsciousness during our long episodes. So we thought we'd, we thought we'd shake things up a bit. And uh, it's also a desperate plea for help, for help. So please write in at mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com or find us on Facebook or tweet us on Twitter or, um, you know, go yeah. back 10 years in time and find us on MySpace, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and I think, yeah, Noah has described it pretty well. Yeah, and speaking of Twitter, our channel massive Twitter has been long dormant, and that's still the case. But if you want to get some loose updates here and now, I'm not super religious about Twitter or super dedicated. I do tweet quite a bit lately. And so if you want updates on what's going on with channel massive, follow me on Twitter. I am at this is Noah. Keep you apprised of any updates or if we're recording or something's behind. Just follow me there. So Mark, how about we get into what we've been playing? Sounds good. Shall I kick it off? Yes, please. Okay, so I have been playing The Secret World exclusively, except for last night. And um, I have a new love interest called Darksiders, which is because of a commercial or an ad or something that I saw for Darksiders 2. The funny thing is that I was instantly drawn to the art direction, (laughs) which Noah pretty much loathes and despises. And, um, and <laughs> yes, 
He is, uh, yes, he is not a big fan, but I, I really dig it, and I don't know why. I think it's like the over-complexity of the costumes for the main characters. I don't know what it is, um, but it, it appeals to me. I also really like the colors that are used. Um, there's a scene from Darksiders 2 where Death is riding along a ridge, and the sky is like this crazy kind of yellowish color. There's all this cool contrast, and it's kind of like something you would see in the 300. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it was just, a, it was really striking. And so I was like, what is this? I'm going to look into it. And so I was like, well, there's a Darksiders 2 and a Darksiders 1 and Darksiders 1 is only 19 bucks. So maybe I'll grab it on steam and check it out. And I played the hell out of it last night and really had a fun, a uh, fun time and, you know, got, got pretty far. Um, and so, yeah, I, I looked up the artist, Joe Medriera. Um, I can't, I just mangled his name, but I really like his style. Um, he's a comic book artist. Um, what's interesting is that most of my favorite comic book artists' names are Alex, so he's a new exception uh, to that. So, sorry, Todd McFarlane, but you're not on my list. So, like, my number one favorite comic book artist is Alex Ross, who does, like, those really crazy DC comic pictures, a lot of those with, like, Superman, where he looks like he's got, he's kind of older, um, and then there's Alex um, Mayleave, I think is his name, and he does, like, the current Moon Knight comics and some other ones, and they're really gritty looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy I have to add to, like, the Trinity. So big fan of it. Really like the gameplay. Thought it was a blast. Considered getting gifting it to you, Noah, for your birthday, but I won't now. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, before we started recording, Mark had to endure a rambling monologue about how I, I, I just am incredibly opposed to the, the lead character art design for both games, especially the first one. And I tried the first game and I played like a two hour demo of it and it was okay, but there's just something about the character design that just drives me up the wall. And normally I don't, I don't have reactions like that. I either am apathetic about art or I think it's really awesome, but this is one of those few cases where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hate that character design. is so bad. Yeah, it's really. really a neurotic thing. This must just happen as you get older as a gamer. You just become <laughs> an angry fogey <laughs> of some yeah. sort. Why are these kids drawing these pictures? <laughs> but um, yeah, and so it was, I played that and I've been continuing to play the secret world and I'm slowly advancing in my my character's little storyline and, you know, unlocking new parts of the world and understanding how you craft stuff and um, really enjoying it still. I think the stories in it are awesome. It is, I saw somebody commenting on the secret world today and they're like, this is the best um, MMO that's come out in the last five years. And I don't disagree at all. I think it's, I think it's really awesome. And uh, I plan to continue playing it. I hope, I hope, for my own sake, my financial sake, that they switch over to a free-to-play model. But um, <laughs> if they don't, you know, that's fine, too. So that's that's been pretty much it for me. I've been working more on my own game, too. Um, got, like, a new burst of adrenaline and got to work on that. But I don't have anything to show for it yet. That's it. That's exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing where you go with your game development. I, that's, I think for a lot of us who are video gamers maybe when we're just young or maybe throughout our entire lives, we have a fantasy of working in the industry or doing something in the industry or at least have a daydream of like, you know, this game would be a lot cooler. It would be really cool if it did this, or I have this really cool, unique game design. Yeah. Yeah. Or this, I'd make a sequel to this game or a prequel. And 
Hearing people attempting to live the dream is always really exciting to me. It's really funny, too, because I think I have a really weird view of the game industry in that my dream of it would be to be a successful indie game maker, but never work for a company or, you know, work for a team that would ever influence like what I did. I would really want to be like kind of like in the old days when it was the Wild West, when Richard Garriott was coming out with like Ultima and Ultima 2 and stuff where, you know, things were distributed and it was all indie base. I mean, distributed, you know, in a small way. I mean, Ziploc plastic bags and stuff. You know, now we have digital distribution, which puts you on an even playing field. But my dream is to be like an indie developer that's kind of like a one-man show. So, you know, like the one-man band. But I, I really think that when I try to think about, you know, if I was actually successful at this, what would I want to do? Make just enough money to make that my number one job, my full-time job, but but not, you know, get acquired or go work for some huge company and be, you know, in meetings all day to talk about games, but still be just totally connected to it. That would be my dream, which anything else, I'd rather just do what I do for my career already, I think, you know, anything short of that. Yeah. So just interesting how your cha- your views change over time you know it is it's really cool anyway yep hopefully i'll have something to show off soon we will wait with beta breath <laughs> yeah. well don't hold your breath because you will die because i hit these plateaus and i'm like i've got to study up on this oh uh, you know I have to go back and figure out what an arc tangent is, you know, things like that. But anyway, what about you, Noah? What have you been uh, playing lately? And I, you can't talk about Mass Effect 3 or No. <laughs> <laughs> All that I have to talk about, I finally oh. finished Mass Effect 3. I went on this crazy binge. It's just this actually happened, I believe, with the last two Mass Effects where I just started gathering speed, so to speak, towards the ending. It's just like a, a a boulder rolling down the mountain, I suppose, just gathering speed. And once I get closer and closer to the end of the game, the more and more marathon sessions I put in. And unlike the first two games, I actually completed every single mission in Mass Effect 3. I scanned every planet, and I put many hours into the multiplayer. Unfortunately, near the beginning, so it didn't really affect... Uh, my end game much but it didn't matter because i did every single mission and the multiplayer was irrelevant for that and the extended cut content which i downloaded over a month ago apparently never downloaded correctly so <laughs> i was oh, no. excited to see the ending once and see the full ending once and that did not happen i got the regular ending which i guess puts me in line with a lot of other people in the past who were very upset and wanted something different in the ending I I I was actually happy to go into the ending the way that I was and knowing that so many people were upset and that there could be a potential for disappointment. And I already went in with some preconceptions of how I thought the trilogy could end, knowing that it was going to be a, a very final closing chapter. There wasn't going to be anything else beyond this, potentially. So with that in mind, I don't think I was as hypersensitive as some people were. But I can definitely understand why people got upset. And wow. The the bad side of knowing all these people got pissed off is that while you're experiencing that ending, for me at least, I couldn't shut that noise, that din in my mind 
out. Oh no. It's like I was reciting specific quotes or anything, but I just could feel because we've talked about it so much in the show and I've read enough about it on the internet for months. I could just feel that me, me, all that angst and bitching right. in the background as I'm watching this and trying to have my, form my own opinion, my own reaction with all that in mind. I, I wonder if the, I, I, and I was torn about how I could talk, how I should talk about this in respect to all the people out there who are like me and maybe playing video games <laughs> four or five years <laughs> after release date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spoilers in this discussion, and I'm going to keep it really light on the spoilers. I won't get too uh, detailed, but uh, something that was quite apparent even to me, and I didn't spoil anything about thinning, but I knew that there were going to be three options. And I really wonder if the only change Bioware had made was that you didn't get a chance to choose one, two, or three. You just were funneled into one, two, or three based on your actions in the game, if people would have been as upset about it. Because I think in an attempt to recognize that those three endings may not necessarily line perfectly up with the way you've built your character in terms of, well, I always made all the good choices because that's what I did. I maxed out my Paragon ratings, which means I made all the positive diplomatic choices. I never did anything rude or or negative. Um, And I could see some people thinking that the color-coded ending that matches with that Paragon rating would not be at all what they would do. I knew I certainly would want, I would not want to do that. And so I was kind of glad that I was able to choose, make a choice. And I ultimately chose what was the middle option and what the game even tells you before it sets you up that this is really the best solution because blah, and blah, and blah. It's like, really, you're going to tell me this? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's true. And ultimately though, I, I watched some videos for the other endings and the variations, and there really isn't a lot of difference. Hmm. And okay, spoiler comment for the next minute. <laughs> but basically, your character dies in the good, quote unquote, best ending, or the ending that's color coded to the paragon, and he only lives if he does the evil thing. And it's like, what the fuck is up with that? Right. And you spend all this time developing a relationship with a character and then that, and then the game is an attempt to reward you allows that character to live in a really brief cut scene at the end. And it's like, well, this is bullshit. This person's alone again, you know, again, or for the first time. And it's like, Oh wow. So yeah, I sacrificed myself and the person that I wanted to really have a relationship with in this fixed world it gets to be alone. It's like, that's a real bullshit ending. And then that, it's just a real deep sex machina ending. It's like you have all this build up, all this build up, all this build up. And there's this mysterious device. And granted, you don't know how it's going to work. But then it's like, surprise, random new character being thrown in to explain everything away. And it's just, and it's almost fairy tale like that's like, really, we have all this science, all this fiction that's been written for this world. And this is how we're going to end it with something we've never been told about or given any, even the remotest remotest clues about through a hundred hours of gaming, there's just this extra character. <laughs> right. Shit. And the last thing that really pissed me off about it, even though overall I'm like, I'm okay, I'm for the most part, okay with it. But the thing that really pissed me off is I mentioned I did Paragon games 
all the way through, maxed out. And basically the way that the game works, pretty much all the games, if you really max out either Paragon or Renegade stuff, whenever there's a really crucial dialogue conversation point, you'll get two extra options that are a Paragon or a Renegade option that light up. If you haven't spent the time really role-playing your character into one of those extremes or earning points towards that in terms of your leveling up, those options will be grayed out. You'll see them, but you can't choose them. And so all throughout the game, I was getting those options because I maxed that out right away. I definitely wanted to have those options. Right. And have some really cool plot twisty moments nine times out of ten. The game's very final, final Paragon Renegade option was grayed out to me because of some stupid bullshit requirement where the character I was speaking with, I had to select Paragon options all throughout the game with that character when talking to them. And some of those options were hidden in second and third level investigation dialogue branches that I apparently somehow missed. And, ah, Jesus. <laughs> and yet I maxed out way, way, way to the max, everything else. I wasn't given that option. So directly after that, I was given the option to do something really brutal, <laughs> a renegade choice. And I'm like, Fuck you, developers. And I chose it and did something really out of character. <laughs> nice. <laughs> plane of making my character really noble and honorable and making the difficult diplomatic choices. And the game's like, oh, sorry, there's this little gimmick thing that we didn't tell you about. And so we're going to steal this very last option to you that's really crucial to the end of the game. I'm like, fuck you, game. Right. So You had to, you had to fight the power. Yeah, so that... The Deus Ex Machina and the sacrificial element of it really didn't work well for me in some respects, but it's okay. And I think overall I'm just kind of going through withdrawals because I got so obsessed with this game during the final final avalanche of play sessions that whenever people were talking to me, I was analogizing them with characters in the Mass Effect game <laughs> or racing. <laughs> Or planets or missions that I got to. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like that mission that I played. You're reacting to this one because I'm through. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was dreaming about it on top of that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> now that's funny. Oh, and so, man. Withdrawal, and I definitely miss the game. And overall, I'm not hate it like some people are. I've been reading comments about the new DLC that's coming out in a few weeks. Like, I just don't know about this game where Bioware just ruined it for me. That ending was blah, blah, blah. And I was like, come on, people grow up. Right. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'm sorry, Noah. I just want to play next of this sci-fi RPG in my life now. <laughs> but I think try Dragon Age, like I had mentioned before, so... Yeah, I think you'll like that a lot better. I really I really want to see if you play through Dragon Age 1 and then you play Dragon Age 2 and you like utterly freak out like um Jason did and say it was the worst thing ever made by by man or you know whatever. So you've also been playing Rhythm Thief, huh? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I still am playing that silly little music game because I have to review it and now that it, that that is obviously an answer of how I can fill in my the void left by Mass Effect in my life, I can just finally sit down and do some major marathon sessions with that game so I can finish it and review it. Cool. Otherwise, I have I have a suggestion for what you should play, but I'll talk about that later. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's not Darksiders. 
Oh. <laughs> so sorry. Well, with us with being all wrapped up in what we're playing, I guess that brings up getting into the roundtable. Yeah. Well, let's kick it off with um, some bad news, because I always like to start out on a uh, downer and then build up to a triumphant (laughs) end point. Um, So Funcom, there's a massively article out about Funcom, and um, they're kind of blaming the meta scores um, for their share price drop regarding Secret World. So, I mean, their, their whole point is saying that um, yeah, the secret world got slammed with low Metacritic scores, and as a consequence, they're actually taking it in the pants as far as uh, share price um, dropping. And um, it said, you know, the, the the game is underperforming for what they thought. They thought they'd have more subscription uh, le- or higher subscription levels, more players. They thought people would be. Um, you know, resubscribing after they'd already purchased it, and they were they were really they had these different scenarios that they had for it, and they're not close to even the lowest scenario. Um, and, uh, and to boot, Metacritic gave them a 72 out of 100 for it. Um, I've looked at that score though, and it's strange because it's usually Metacritic goes well. I guess usually it can only go. There's only three ways it can be. <laughs> I guess the critics, the game, the game industry critics will be high, the players will be low, or it'll be the other way around where the the industry doesn't get a game, but the players actually are, you know, writing in because they love it, or they're just about even. Um, and last time I looked at at, uh, at this one, I was I'm pretty sure that it was the game press was kind of slamming it, but the players that were writing in were, were loving it. Um, so they were giving it, you know, more consistently high scores with the exception of those one or two people who go ahead and give it a zero and say, I've never played the game, but just saying, which you want to just go over there and kick them in the teeth if you actually like the game in question. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, they're, they're talking about, you know, what they're going to do. And they think that the people that are playing the game are very loyal players and they're going to try to focus on key areas for improving the game to maintain that loyalty. They think that in the end, um, they will have more happy players playing Secret World than they do with Age of Conan, which is kind of an interesting thing. They think the overall customer satisfaction is going to be higher with Age of Co- uh, with uh, I'm sorry, with uh, the Secret World. Gosh, I can't believe I got confused. <laughs> they only have two real franchises. Um, but they think it's going to be higher with that, and it's going to be a more stable subscriber base to build on. And so that indicates to me that maybe they're not thinking of going free-to-play, as I've, uh, I've been saying they probably will, but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, yeah, I was kind of su- – that's what I think is such a bummer about this is that – and maybe it's just because of who my friends are, but I hear nothing but great things about the secret world, and I don't understand – first of all, why there's negative press reviews. And right. granted, it's not like the press gave it a five. I mean, a seven isn't fantastic, but it's not a five or a six. It's just average. But for all the innovation and the novel, the, the novelty of the game world, I thought that the game would have skewed a little bit higher. And I'm wondering if the press itself was just burned out. I think you're right. I, I, I honestly think that, the press and a lot of players are burned out on MMOs. And, and I think I, that's like a really good point because one thing about the game that's not like traditional MMOs is 
you actually really do have to move around all the time when you're in combat. More like a more like an Xbox or, you know, a console game than an MMO where with World of Warcraft, unless you're unless you have specific abilities that trigger if you're in back of someone for like a rogue or something, you can just basically stand in front of the mob and grind them down by going through your your pattern. And that's it. And in this one, you have to move around. You have to dodge area of effect things that you know are going to come because it kind of broadcasts their area of effect pattern. Um, you you know, you, you have to get out of the way of multiple mobs. You have to line them up for different attacks. I mean, you have to move around all the time in it. It's So combat, I've heard, I've seen that slammed as saying, just like every other MMO, but it's not. It's not at all the same. Um the investigative quests are, are truly unique, and they put a ton of time into them and resources. I mean, you can't make these invest these investigative quests sometimes have all these different glyphs and different ciphers you have to sort out, or they've mm-hmm. gone through and created all these on the real internet sites that you have to, um, you know, access and try and figure out the pattern or whatever. I mean. Some of the investigative quests, while at times frustrating, they're the most memorable quests I've played in MMO ever. And it's all in the same game, you know? Um, so they've been very innovative with that, and they've made it in a totally different setting than normal. It's not fantasy. It's not sci-fi, really. It's more like a, you know, a kind of a counter-Earth or a conspiracy theory horror Earth. Um, and, you know, it's like they, they're getting punished by the reviewers when they finally have done all the things that most people have been complaining about with MMOs. Um, so, you know, I find that to be really sad, but I think your, your explanation, anything that makes human nature sound crappy, I tend to believe in. And I think your explanation actually makes the most sense of anything, especially to explain the disparity on Metacritic between player reviews versus the, the, the press. Yeah. And I think that also what you brought up and, with what Funcom's analysis is of the subscriber base, I think that's also really a positive sign, like you were saying, Mark, because I remember there were, there were, there was a lot more. I remember, maybe I'm just remembering incorrectly. It felt like age of Conan out the bat had more criticism than I've heard for secret world. Yeah, I think so. There were more people who were disappointed with it for some reason. There was stuff that people really liked, but they're also just as quick to point out things that they thought were bad. And I think, yeah, and the secret world had way less initial subscribers than age of Conan. So there were, you know, sadly a lot less people to be either impressed or disappointed. Cause I think everybody is kind of just down on MMOs right now in general. I mean, star Wars, the old Republic probably grabs the imagination of most of the, the people that were really waiting for that next great MMO. And when it disappointed them, they, kind of lost steam or they're waiting for guild wars 2 which is its own unique you know <laughs> it's its own unique phenomenon really mm-hmm. so we'll see in other news if you have heard me complain or ramble on or or talk about the secret world too much and you want to know for yourself why the hell i talk about it so much um they have a three-day trial on their website right now, and if you um, sign up by August 19th, you get two extra days if you do 30 missions within the first three days, which is very doable. The missions go quick. There's tons of missions. They're all different different styles. 
Um, it, it takes you through a really cool post-apocalyptic uh, location in um, in New England that's been re- um, run over by zombies. You get to experience the whole um, like backstory behind your character and this crazy outbreak of this really weird plague in uh, Japan. It's it's just a really cool way of starting out the, the game, and you can do all that and have five days to try it for free. So I'd highly recommend it. Uh, to you especially, Noah, since you're done with uh, <laughs> Mass Effect 3, you could try it out with no cost. The timing is perfect. Well, what does that mean, signing up by August oh, 19th? I think you just have to go register by the 19th, and then you'll have um, the three-day trial. It'll be in effect for three days where if you can get 30 missions, you'll get the plus two. If you signed up on the 20th, you just get the three-day trial. Okay, I get it. So the plus two is, uh, yeah, if you do that in the next three days. But, yeah, you could try it out and see if I'm full of it or not. I mean, the (laughs) fact that Eric and I actually agree on the same MMO is kind of really weird. Um, But uh, I'm not as, you know, I'm not, like, I'm I'm not out crucifying people who don't like it, unlike him. You know, there's... (laughs) There's been a lot of <laughs> collateral damage, uh, but you know he's one of those filthy dragon players. While I'm, you know, I'm a Templar and have honor and style, so you know. As is Terror. Terror is also a Templar. Yes, so. that is the the one fa- true faction. I will agree with you on that, even having not played it. <laughs> yeah, they are the one true faction. They are the best. Everyone else is either greedy corporate scum or some kind of niche cult. Um. So, on uh, Massively, we have another interesting question about the Secret World, which is, will it go free-to-play? So, I've talked about it in the past that I think it should, um, and the company has kind of gave us some hints, but based on their latest release, maybe they should go free-to-play, but they're going to try to carefully maintain their subscriber base, it appears, based on what they've said. And they're going to try and, you know, gain loyalty. Um, I don't know if that's the best plan because we've seen over and over again that the free-to-play thing is a great way to revitalize the game. And it's a great way to, you know, monetize, I don't know, stupid (laughs) flashy items or, you know, insta-level things, you know. I mean, what was was the deal um, I saw recently you could – there was one game where you could get this thing that like multiplied your experience by five. It was for one of the MMOs that had started out as a free to play. I can't, I get them all confused, but I mean, it's like, are you really even playing the game anymore? Or is it like what I did with age of Conan where I kept my subscription and every week I would log in and I'd get my three levels or whatever. Do you remember that when I, and I leveled yes. my character up to like, I would max watch level? you do it. I remember. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I would ask you what your thoughts are as far as it being free to play, but you you've not played it. But I don't know what it, I I just think free to play is a great model for MMOs right now. Personally, yeah, I, I really think it's going to be the only model sooner rather than later. And games that have potential, if they can subsist on being free to play, if they can survive, I think they should all be free to play because it just lowers the bar for accessibility and it raises the bar for the quality of all free-to-play games across the board. Right. Uh, of course, I don't want to see Funcom be put into a hole by going free-to-play so quickly, but I just don't think there are many years, if not months, left that 
most game most MMOs can get away with maintaining a, a subscription model. Right. You know, w- one thing that I guess has always kind of hit me about the, the games that are designed to be free to play versus the ones that start out as subscription and then become free to play. Um, I I feel like the quality is a little higher. Um, mostly because those those that have started out as subscription have been linked to an IP of some sort, whereas yeah. those that are started out as free to play haven't. Um, but one thing I was thinking is City of Heroes still subscription based. I think it is. I think it is too, which is really amazing because we know their player base had shrunk down to a pretty low number, and yet it still just continues on. It, it, <laughs> Although that reminds <laughs> me of something I wanted to mention. Vanguard free to play about fucking time. Oh yeah. Why yeah, did that, that game not go free to play like two years ago? Oh my god, I know. And you know, I had put out that challenge to you and Jason that said, <laughs> Hey, it's gone free to play. Why don't we why don't we give it a shot and see if it sucks as hard as we think it does? But then I as I thought about it, I thought I like envisioned me like going to the web page and having to sign up for an account. <laughs> And that seemed really difficult. And then I thought, oh, and then I'm going to have to download it. And all you really have to do is click a button. And that, that I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to, like, have that go against my download quota for Comcast or not. And, like, every single bit <laughs> of the – and I was like, then I'm going to have to install it. <laughs> In my head, it became the most daunting task ever. It was like – it was like going to the, you know, the doctor to get a flu shot or something. I was just like – or the dentist for like a, a cleaning or something. I was like, yeah. you know, it's not even worth it for me to be able to prove that it sucked. I, I just will accept it on faith. <laughs> Remember that freaking rat in a boat with like the neon? Yeah. <laughs> that was like the one thing that when I saw that rat in the boat and sent the screenshot out, that was have, to me. That's like that, four years ago, but I still remember it. Do you remember just the angst that it, it like we were all pissed off that any game could be that lame? Just from that picture, we were like, "Yeah, well, how could they release a game where this is actually a screenshot they released?" I mean, they should have taken that screenshot and destroyed it for the benefit <laughs> of mankind. It was horrible. And it just showed how they had no clear art direction. The assets they used were all like looked like they came out of a value pack they bought. Like their wood textures, everything looked so cobbled together and shitty. And then, then all the antics that occurred with that game, as far as the, the, uh, the you know the studio closing, the way the CEO was in a drug-induced you know apocalyptic <laughs> now kind of mode. It was just icing on the cake. So yeah, when we saw Free to Play. I was like, let's all play it. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, maybe they'll play it, but I don't think I can go through with this. It's too much. <laughs> so, anyway, you you posted a story about um, the secret world, I think. Yeah, this is actually something Twitter followers that I brought up earlier today so that you can put a date stamp as to when we're actually recording this episode. But I saw a, a link to a Bitmob editorial that, drew me in because the title of the editorial is the secret world should have been a single player RPG. I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting idea. It's, it's a really simple concept that I hadn't really bothered to think through. I just knew how I felt about the secret world in general, the concept, the story, the factions, 
I knew that it was an MMO. I didn't really bother to second guess that. And so I was like, I wonder what this guy thinks, what his justifications are for it. And he basically says everything about the world and the story when there's cutscenes going on, it's completely enthralling. But when he gets into the actual mechanics of the gameplay, he just feels that it's really clunky and it reminds him so much of every other MMO that there's just not a really polished combat experience. And for every fantastic investigation mission, there's still the really standard kill 10 of these type of missions that are just commonplace in any MMO. And really at the crux of it, he also very typical with MMOs is he just feels that this is such a cool world and he wants to matter in it and he wants to be relevant. And he just feels because of the way MMOs are inherently designed and, and have to function that you're just another person flying through this experience. You're not actually having an impact. You're not getting the same types of rewards that you would in a single player RPG where you could potentially have much deeper conversation trees. You could potentially change factions. You could have really epic wars between the factions or really epic missions that just aren't feasible with thousands of players playing. And that push and pull of his reaction to the game that there's things that he just finds so engrossing and so well done. And then there's just these core MMO mechanics and structure that pull away from that design makes, made him ultimately draw the conclusion that he feels the game would have been better as a single player RPG. And I think that's a really interesting question to ask Mark and also to ask the listeners out there if anybody else wants to chime in. I brought this up with Eric, and Eric got really defensive on Twitter and didn't even bother to read the story, which I thought was ironic <laughs> for a variety of reasons. But um, I'm, I'm also curious, Mark, first of all, what your personal thoughts are of this concept, just your personal reactions to how much you like the game and why you like the game, and also tying back to what we were talking about before, do you think the game would have been more financially successful if it were a single player RPG with these elements that the guy's talking about being integrated? Um, well, so the guy, so since I did read this story, I'm like, some <laughs> people on the first sentence, <laughs> um, what I liked was that he compared it to vampire, the masquerade, which I love that game. I have not finished it yet. I, I don't know. Every time I go to play it, something horrible happens to my computer. It's like a curse, but I love the game and I love what they tried to do with vampire, the masquerade. Although I feel that, that game failed in a lot of ways. <laughs> so he compares it to that. But I, but you, when you understand what Vampire the Masquerade was trying to do, it was really cool and it was ahead of its time. Um, and in a lot of ways, Bioware, with the way they have the dialogue, you know, took a lot from it. Um, the thing about um, – well, first off, the one thing about Secret World that's always bugged me is the silent protagonist thing where everybody's talking to you, but you never talk, which yeah. in all the Bioware games, I really like being able to talk back. I like to have – you know, even though I can't, me like, too. talk into my microphone and have, you know, an artificial intelligence um, <laughs> agent of some form, you know, make sense of that, um, you know, I only have my three canned responses or whatever – it's just something that immerses me more, um, and they don't. And that is not something that Secret World has right now. And I say right now, but really they'll never add that, I'm sure. But um, I don't think it fails. I don't think I don't think the game would work as a the way it's done now. I don't think it would work as an, a standalone RPG, um, just because there's so many aspects of it that there's not like that over 
there's to me there doesn't seem to be an overriding story arc that is cohesive enough to make it a standalone RPG. Like you're not yeah. trying to discover who killed your parents or you're you're not out to, you know, save the world from some great evil directly. You're just like an agent one of many that's involved. Now if they could add that in and tie it together that'd be awesome, but it doesn't have that feeling. I just feel like I'm uh, what I feel like I'm doing is just discovering a whole side of the world that I never knew about. And it, you know, I love the whole conspiracy thing and I love the thought of an Illuminati and, you know, the, the Knights Templar have evolved and that the dragons are allowed to live or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got that going for it, but it, it just doesn't have that feel that would make it work as an RPG without a whole lot of work. Also, and the author of the story never talks about it, the way they do encounters, at least I've only played through the first encounter so far, but I've done it three times now, which is called Polaris. It's really good. I mean, the whole multiplayer aspect, the way that works, it's really a lot of fun. And I would hate to not have that experience or even the raid stuff where it's, you know, more than just five, I guess they're talking about. So I I think it. I think it's fine just the way it is, and I think that the improvements that the community have been, you know, asking for, if they can get that incorporated in really well, will make it a really awesome MMO. Maybe the most underrated MMO to come out since EverQuest 2, um, but, uh, you know, I just don't see it as a single-player RPG. But if there were a single-player RPG in this world that had the tropes that you were talking about that would be necessary, would you find it appealing? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, ob- absolutely. They could take every art asset out of this. They could, you know, or they could, you know, fork it and come up with some kind of a, uh, you know, like, I don't know, um, the secret world, some, you know, colon, the reckoning or something like that, <laughs> where, you know, you're out to figure out who screwed you over back in the summer of 53. or You know what I mean? <laughs> I could totally, or, you know, aliens invade the secret world and blow everything away. But... I could totally, I could totally, if they added in the elements required to make it an RPG work, I could totally see it. It would be fun. But I don't think the game's broken because it's not single player. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I like, I like teaming up with players that I run into sometimes. And it's fun, too, because sometimes you'll team up with somebody who's from a totally different faction. And, you know, you'll be talking and comparing notes and it's, it's random, you know, but it's fun, and I like it. But I really do like the way they do the encounters. They make the bosses so darn evil, and they're much smarter than most encounters are. You mm-hmm. know, the encounters in this are just as good as the later encounters in World of Warcraft, where, you know, you, you have to really figure out a lot of different um, strategies to, to win. You can't just go in and expect to win your first time. And I like that. It should be difficult. Yeah, I agree. And oh, they cool. have that nailed. So, anyway, good. Cool. It's a good article, though. And yeah. uh, much props for mentioning Vampire the Masquerade <laughs> Bloodlines. <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. You have to put the part in after the col- the colon or whatever. Yes. <laughs> Our next story that we wanted to touch on. We just have a few left in this episode. This is something that came up earlier this week, the week of our recording where there was a really big dust-up, kerfuffle, I don't know what word we should use. Clusterfuck? Yeah. (laughs) In in Twitter, concerning the development team at Gearbox internally referencing 
one of its board to uh, referencing one of the skill trees in its new upcoming Borderlands sequel as girlfriend mode. In the game, it's going to be called Best Friends Forever. And Randy Pritchford, the CEO of Gearbox, got really quick on the Twitter and said, it is not called girlfriend mode. There is no such girlfriend mode in the game. But Eurogamer, which is where this all came from, conducted an interview with the development team and apparently quoted the developers referencing to this skill tree, which apparently makes the game a lot easier to play, lets the person using the skill tree not die as easily, so on and so forth. The development team internally referred to this mode as girlfriend mode, quote unquote. (gasps) People got pissed and there was just so much finger pointing and rage and cries of sexism in Twitter over this phrase. And my reactions are twofold. First of all, girlfriend mode. Yeah, that's a sexist statement. I have plenty of girl gamer friends. I've had them going way back all the way to high school who kick ass and they're good at games and they're good at hardcore games. Not every single girl out there is um, there are girls out there. This is how I should phrase it. There are girls out there who are kick-ass hardcore gamers and they play first-person shooters and they play League of Legends and they play games that are way more complex than I could ever play and they kick ass at them. There are also girls out there who loathe video games and they loathe people who play video games. I remember reading an online dating tips article where there was an interview with like four or five different girls. What what uh, turns you on? What do you look for? What do you not look for when you're browsing guys' profiles on the dating service? And one of the girls, the quote that they choose to focus on, she's like, I automatically do. It's an instant skip. If I if he says that he likes video games, there's no way I would ever date anybody that likes video games. These girls are out there. Yes, <laughs> these girls that kick ass at games are out there, and there are also plenty of girls out there that freaking hate games. And there are guys and spouses out there who would love to get their girlfriend or their spouses, their wives, or whatever, to play, and this could be a way for them to do it. There are also probably some hardcore gamer girls out there who, for one reason or another, maybe they can't find a gamer guy, and maybe they're with the guy who would benefit from the quote-unquote girlfriend mode. And I think Gearbox recognized that by externally calling it best friends forever, but that it's being called girlfriend mode internally does not surprise me because this term has been around for years. The first time I heard about it actually came from IGN. IGN was loosely referring to the multiplayer mode in Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 as girlfriend mode. And they even oh, called yeah. it that their stories. Right. Because in that mode, it allows one player can play the full game, all the controls and abilities as and Mario. And the other one gathers another, stars. Yeah, just gathers stars or shoots stars. Isn't represented on the screen. It's a way for parents to play with kids. It's a way for girlfriends or boyfriends to play with their significant others, so on and so forth. And since growing up, if you're older, you've definitely had a fair share of meeting girls who think you're a total dumbass nerd if you play video games. I'm not surprised to see that some journalists called this girlfriend mode, and yet they were never taken to task for it. Nobody overreacted about it. Nobody, like, blamed IGN and threw all these comments up and went onto Twitter and started a rampage. So I'm kind of torn about it because, yeah, I agree that it's a stupid term and it's it's not accurate because few labels of anything are accurate. But why are we reacting about it now? And secondly, 
This is coming from fucking Gearbox, the people who fought tooth and nail to release the most sexist game out there, Duke Nukem. Right. <laughs> the people behind this behind Duke Nukem, getting Duke Nukem out the door, which has incredibly sexist and chauvinistic things all throughout it, because that's part of the game. That's part of the humor. That's part of the personality. Are we really shocked that the guys that brought that game out are internally referring to this simple skill mode as girlfriend mode? I mean, really? <laughs> it's like, are, do all these people have that short of a memory that they can't remember this term has been floating around for years? Does that mean that it's that it's okay that it was okay two years ago or then it's okay now? No, it's not okay. But it's just like the just sanctimonious angst and cringing really pissed me off about this. But all that said, I'm getting off my soapbox, Mark, so you can provide the balance. I'll jump on. <laughs> well, I was just saying, you know, the the counter to this is the <laughs> the well, actually, I I almost I almost said something really bad, so I'll, I'll stop with that. <laughs> That's why people listen. <laughs> what I was going to say is the the dumbass shows that some people's wives watch that are like such as Real Housewives where you actually occasionally get to see a nice shot of one of those women who aren't a, a, at all um, human anymore because they're all artificially enhanced. Would you call that boyfriend mode? Because that's the only way a dude is going to watch one of those shows with you and pretend to be interested. Um, but, but no, I mean, in all honesty and, and trying not to sound like a total chauvinistic pig, like everything you said is really true. I mean, there are, there are girls who are, are women who are seriously hardcore gamers. There are also a lot that spend all their time on you know, Facebook playing the horrible, horrible social games that are out there. And, you know, and there are those who play all the games on the iPhone or the Android, um, you know, like Farmville, for instance. You know, when you look at statistics, there are a lot of games played by women, but yeah. ha- more hardcore games... And by hardcore, I'm talking like Battlefield or, you know, competitive games like League, League of Legends, games the Frag Dolls play, you know, for instance. Yeah. That's the percentage of, in general, women who play those are much lower than men, especially, and there's definitely a certain age that that's attractive. I wouldn't even say, I don't even play those games. I'm So I, I could benefit from girlfriend mode, theoretically, because I don't play those types of games, and I never will. I'm not, I'm not interested in playing, you know, Battlefield over and over and over again. I really don't, I don't enjoy it anymore. I had my FPS time, and I've, I'm not there anymore. Um, but I think what happened here is that the... The the blogosphere, the Twitter Twitterosphere, if you will, the the you know gaming news media just had to have a big story to get everybody you know in an uproar about, and chose this as the topic. But how can you, as you said so so well, how can you be surprised that anybody who could release Duke Nukem forever could um, would have a term like this in their vernacular, right? I mean it totally just stands to reason. The fact that I can't even believe Duke Nukem, I own Duke Nukem forever, and I can't even believe it ever made it out. Because it's basically made for people who uh, existed 20 years ago. A bunch of dudes in gyms lifting weights and stuff, or kids right out of high school or in college, you know, men, boys. Um, But it doesn't connect with anybody in this day and age. 
It really doesn't. Honestly, it, for me, it was a blast from the past because I played Duke Nukem 3D, you know, religiously. It was like the it was every land party we ever had for for many many months. It was the game of choice, and so for me, it had a certain nostalgia, but not enough of a nostalgia to continue to play that piece of crap. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not surprised they had a term like this. I don't think that anyone should be offended. Um, really, I I mean I can't I can't imagine that this is by girlfriend mode. They're not talking about girl gamers, real girl gamers. They're talking about people's spouses or girlfriends who would normally be watching TV, reading a book or playing a Facebook game or, or just playing around on Facebook. They're just talking about non gamers. And it just so happens that in general, statistically, there are a few less hardcore gamers on the female side than men. And that, that's my thought. Well, cool. Um, I I was hesitant to talk about this, and I apologize if anybody out there is offended. <laughs> Not my intention. We were we are both, and in fact, this is the second story we've come across where Noah and I have said, "Are we going to sound like misogynistic assholes, or can we actually make it through it?" And the first time we pushed out, yeah, this so is our we brave. rational enough. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we sounded you know not not totally you know. Uh, Jackasses. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't unsubscribe from us, ladies. We need well, to. If you think we're jackasses, let us know. Actually, How else I don't are we to learn? I don't think any. I don't believe that anyone that girlfriend mode is talking about would be listening to our podcast ever. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. We got a couple more stories about World of Warcraft, Markinator. Well, yeah. So we talked about the the thought of what if the secret world were to go free to play. Um, but what, well, actually, what would you guys, what would you think if WoW announced tomorrow they were going free to play? Would you be like, what, what, what? But they just came out with it. (laughs) 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 They're just preparing to come out with the Pandaren expansion and it's going to change the way we all live. Or would you be like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming, Bob. Um, I don't (laughs) know. I, I my reaction would probably be pretty similar to how I reacted to Vanguard going free to play. It's about <laughs> damn time. Yeah, you know that there's an interesting story over on um, MMORPG.com um, where there where William Murphy is going. Hey, you know what? Now might be a really good time for World of Warcraft to go free to play. Or at least to make the first 60 levels free to play. And after that, you could charge a subscription fee or, you know, figure some way to monetize it. And for those first 60 levels, it'd be free. Now, you could still go to their their store and you could could go ahead and spend some of your hard-earned money from farming in Diablo 3 (laughs) to... To buy all kinds of cool sparkle ponies, which is a term he used, which I really like, sparkle ponies. I think that pretty much sums up, like, all the stupid-ass mounts that WoW has come out with for the last, like, five years. Um, So you could buy those, and you could buy, you know, other silly items that don't really, you know, rocket cars and all kinds of cool stuff. But um, it wouldn't really be utterly game-impacting, like the, uh, you know, five times multiplier for experience or anything, because actually... The, if you played World of Warcraft today and you went from 1 to 60 and I tried it a while back, it does not take long with the, the leveling curve and knowing anything about how to play an MMO. It goes really quickly. Um, but then after that, you know, you would pay for the more premium content and to be 
with those who are, um, you know, going through the Pandaren or Cataclysm or any of those other um, expansions. I think it'd be a great idea, personally. I just don't know how, I mean, they, they, they've just shaved off a million subscribers in the last couple of weeks. I, I can't imagine that they can just keep running with this kind of a subscriber base without making some kind of a change. And the Pandaren expansion and everything that it brings, the monk class and the ability to play a, a pudgy panda, um, you know, for many of us, it, that is like totally the wrong direction they should have gone in, I believe. Um, and so I think they need to do something. And I, I think a free to play version of wow for the first 60 levels at least, or for the whole damn thing would be very appropriate at this point. Yeah, and there I think there WoW has the most mature and developed in-game content. And if that was hidden behind a subscription of some sort or some kind of microtransaction or whatever, that would make sense because unlike a lot of MMOs that are out there, there isn't nearly as developed or in-depth complex whatever of an in-game available. And a lot of people just kind of burn out. Blizzard genuinely has a compelling character, provided that you're into that kind of gameplay, for people who want to progress beyond level 60 and really want to get into raids and very deep and reliable in-game content. And they've got the assets to make it work. How they would make it work, I'm not exactly sure, but if they were going to expand free-to-play like you're talking about, Mark, where it's the first 60 levels, I think that would make a lot of people happy and open up a lot more microtransaction opportunities for those of us who just want to play the first 60 levels, never would have played the in-game content to begin with and wouldn't want to be pointlessly subscribed to something that they wouldn't touch anyways. Well, yeah. And you know, one of the things that the, um, the writer of the article said that I thought was really good was if you made world of Warcraft's first 60 levels free to play, it would utterly reinvigorate the player base and you would have people roaming around those earlier levels that nobody sees anymore. Yeah. And it would be really cool. I mean, that thing, and they have this massive infrastructure, right? So they could, if, if their subscribers, you know, quote unquote, just, I mean, player base, say their player base went to 20 million, they could actually handle it. Yeah. And it would, it would just, it would so re, it'd be just like what happened on a, but on a massive scale with Turbine when they when they made um, DDO and Lord of the Rings free to play where it just exploded. If if World of Warcraft exploded, you know a two time magnifier would be huge. But if what if it went like tenfold? What if they had like a hundred million people playing that game? It would be it would be just pure mayhem. Mm-hmm. So, but it would be cool mayhem, you know. It would really reinvigorate it. I mean, as it stands now, I think the next time I actually play World of Warcraft is when one of my kids is old enough to play it, and I think it'll be really fun to play it with them. If it's uh, ho- hopefully it'll still be around, and I, I'm sure it will be, you know. But um, you know, when my son's able to actually read and stuff, um, I think it'd be really fun to, to play it with them and go through those zones and kind of relive them, you know, and yeah. see them through his eyes and my daughter and. But they they just have to make the leap, I think. Sooner or later, you just can't kick this horse over and over again. Um, yeah. uh, speaking of World of Warcraft, they have kind of got a, a strategy, which I'm hoping will totally backfire on them. And I only hope it because it's really kind of petulant. Because 
ArenaNet, um, who is behind Guild Wars and Guild Wars Two, um, you know they were originally they originally consisted of folks from Blizzard. At least, yeah, that's true. I think two of the three. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like it's almost like you know their unofficial child company, but not really. No, they're not related in any way. But um, where World of Warcraft and other MMOs have all gone with you know the subscription and free to play plan. ArenaNet started out different, stayed different did everything differently. You know, they would just come out with an expansion and you pay, you know, your $50 for the expansion and that would be it. There was never a subscription, never all this, you know, monetization through free to play. And when they got to a point where they thought their engine just couldn't do what they really wanted to do, instead of trying to cash in on more and more expansions and just kind of trying to, you know, bleed the franchise for everything they could, they kind of went away, went back to the drawing board, came up with Guild Wars 2, and have been working on that ever since. And they're, they're nearing their launch date of uh, August 28th. Well, World of Warcraft has decided to release their big patch, which is like a pre-Isles um, of the Pandaren patch, or Mists of the Pandaria. God, I can't even say it. Mists of Pandaria expansion patch. So they've done this every time. Like before Cataclysm came out, there was a patch that, you know, pre-expansion patch that came out, um, you know, it's gone backwards through the, every single expansion. Well, they've decided to, Blizzard has decided to release the this huge patch, the 5.04 patch release on the exact launch day for Guild Wars 2. And that pre-expansion patch weighs in at 6 gigabytes includes shared mounts, new pets, massive talent revamp. We know how well talent revamps always go. And the North American players will get on the 28th, and the European servers will see it on the 29th. And uh, then, of course, the actual expansion will be released on September 25th. So they're obviously doing this to make a statement. Now, what my hope is, and it's not that I suddenly hate Blizzard or I suddenly hate WoW. I still <laughs> I love Diablo franchise, Star, the StarCraft franchise and World of Warcraft. Anything Blizzard's ever done, I pretty much love what they've done. But this is kind of an asshole move. And we all know, too, that their big patches are pretty much hit or miss. They're pretty dicey. So I honestly hope that in the name of, you know, preserving all that is right in the world karmically, I hope this thing just totally screws up and they're down for like two days. And I hope that I hope that just because it seems really petty to try to mess around with um, Guild Wars 2, Guild War 2's launch date. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think I'm being lame or I mean, it just seems like an asshole move to me. Yeah, it's dumb. And it reminds me of what you were talking about earlier. There's some people out here whose internet download monthly bandwidth is throttled. And if you happen to be a really hardcore MMO gamer, it's like you're going to have to decide, well, can I spend my monthly quota on this Blizzard patch or will I have to avoid logging in at all into World of Warcraft so that I can save my bandwidth for the downloadable version, granted, of Guild Wars 2? Right. Well, that's a good point. And, you know, we should have a follow-up podcast episode where we talk about the, I don't know, the the pluses and minuses for Internet throttling because it's really pretty evil. And with what um, Google's announced with their gigabit um, bandwidth, have you have you seen that, Noah? Uh, the the th- service? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it sounds that, really cool. That's like they've got that pilot going in Kansas City. Yeah. And it's a, it's a gigabit up, upload and download connection using fiber, and it includes, like, cable. And, I mean, it's kind of like just the the most awesome thing ever with no bandwidth, um, no throttle for downloads or uploads. If that thing ever, like, goes, you know, global, it's like the end of a whole bunch of bullshit from our ISPs. Um, I really hope it happens, because... And I hope others compete with it, but yeah, it's, I hate the throttle thing. Just so frustrating. We need a revolution we need. in our online service providers. Yeah, and the only way to realize that, of course, is to log into the Secret World for the trial and uh, and join the Templars, and we will we will meet in secrecy. We will we'll meet in some exotic location like Rome or London or New York or. Well, New York not being that exotic for those of us who live in the states, but um, and we'll we'll plot somewhere in a subway or something. <laughs> we'll strike like in D for Vendetta. It'd be awesome. But oh yeah, I I think I think that's all we have for tonight. Yeah, listeners, that's a wrap for episode 211. We hope you found our little condensed, speedy format refreshing. Let us know what you think by sending your thoughts into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmaster.com. Otherwise, we hope you have a great weekend of gaming, and we will be back next week.